As the Seahawks prepare for their NFC West opener, they'll be looking to improve to 2-0 against the 49ers. Which matchups are going to dictate whether they win or lose are in Santa Clara? Rob and I are going to be breaking it down on the latest episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are Locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me for our Matchup Wednesday episode, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. As always, we greatly appreciate it. Hard to believe we're already moving on to the next game, but with a Monday night game, it's a short week for the Seahawks. They're already gearing up on the practice field for their NFC West opener on the road against the 49ers. We're going to detail the matchups to watch on both sides of the football on today's episode and check out the preliminary injury reports heading into a much-anticipated Week 2 matchup between two bitter NFC West rivals. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNFL. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. There's not much time to celebrate after the Seahawks win over the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football. As emotional as it was, beating their former quarterback, Russell Wilson, and doing it in thrilling fashion, late game heroics, missed field goal, you name it. Had to turn the page pretty quickly with it being a short week and a tough road test coming up against the San Francisco 49ers. Rob, not a surprise that the Seahawks had some newcomers on their injury report, especially with it being a short week, only two days removed from that physical game against the Denver Broncos. And a few newcomers on this list, Quandre Diggs and Shelby Harris, who both played the entire game on Monday night, did not practice on Wednesday. But at this stage, probably nothing to be overly concerned about as the team is cautious early in the week. We'll see what happens in coming days. If they don't practice Thursday and Friday, then maybe things start to become a bit more concerning. But overall, mostly positive news with Ken Walker III and Damian Lewis returning as full participants on Wednesday. Yeah, that is huge news. Ken Walker coming back. As you mentioned, Damian Lewis coming back. Oh, my goodness. Uh, exciting stuff there. But as you said, uh, you know, Quandre Diggs and Shelby Harris uh, both being listed as non-participants. Quandre Diggs with a knee injury, Shelby Harris with a back injury. And before you take that Pete Carroll eternally optimistic route and just suggest, hey, these are just veterans getting a rest day. Seattle rested Gabe Jackson and specifically said, you know, resting veteran also acknowledged the knee issue there. But still, it, that is a little bit concerning because Shelby Harris and Quandre Diggs played critical roles in Seattle's victory over the Denver Broncos. But I agree with you, Corey. But I think overall, considering the fact that Seattle suffered a horrific loss with Jamal Adams going down, knowing that, Knowing that Ken Walker and Damian Lewis are back on the field for the CX, I think that you have to feel pretty good about this injury report, especially because things are not quite as positive from the San Francisco's perspective. Yeah, looking at the 49ers, obviously Seattle's not going to have Jamal Adams this week, and that's a big loss. But 
it wouldn't be as big of a loss if they don't have to worry about one of the best tight ends in the NFL and George Kittle. And Kittle did not play against the Chicago Bears in their season opener, did not practice today. Right now, Kyle Shanahan and company are playing this day by day. There's some positive vibes coming out of the building that maybe this week he will be able to get back and play on Sunday. But for now, it's trending towards him potentially being out a second straight game. And that would be huge news for the Seahawks, especially considering their injury situation at safety. They do have Josh Jones and Ryan Neal ready to step in, but not having Jamal Adams and having to deal with George Kittle, that would be a huge advantage for the 49ers. If he can't play, that is maybe their best offensive weapon overall, especially with a young quarterback and Trey Lance, not having that security blanket, that would certainly be a big advantage for the Seahawks on the road in this NFC West opener. It absolutely would. I mean, Seattle has struggled historically against tight ends. That continued even against Russell Wilson, who, of course, Seahawks fans know, struggled getting the ball to the tight ends while he was with Seattle. And yet, uh, you know, Albert O and uh, was among others who, who were successful against Seattle in week one. So if George Kittle is unable to play, that is huge news for the Seahawks. And as you mentioned, he did not play uh, in that rain fest that was the, the opener for the 49ers in Chicago, Soldier Field. But it's a groin injury that he's dealing with. And anytime you're playing the slop and the mud like that, you know, soft tissue injuries, you have a really good chance of just aggravating those types of injuries. So I wasn't surprised at all that George Kittle did not play for the 49ers in that week one matchup. Pete Carroll said it himself today during practice that, or after practice that the Seahawks are going to prepare as if George Kittle is going to be on the field. He also, of course, is a veteran. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Kyle Shanahan uh, you know, would start George Kittle even if Kittle was unable to practice, uh, you know, up all the way up until game time, because Kittle is that dynamic of a player. But still, this has got to be positive news, at least on, uh, you know, at least on Wednesday, uh, about the possibility that the 49ers may be a little bit shorthanded. They still, of course, have a lot of really good football players, Debo Samuel not being the least of them. But if you take George Kittle from this offense, then that just makes the 49ers that much easier to defend. They also had Daniel Brunskill, who has started quite a few games at guard for them. He did not play in Sunday's opener. Probably would not be a starter right now anyway, but he is still sidelined. And Trent Williams was out, but he had that resting veteran designation. So you know the all-pro tackle is going to be suiting up on Sunday. That would be even better news for the Seahawks. They didn't have to worry about that road grader being on the field, but he will be playing for the 49ers. But Kittle is the one name to keep an eye on for the Seahawks. It's certainly Quandre Dix and Shelby Harris now, hoping that that's just a one or two day thing and they'll be back in the practice field ready to go for Sunday. With a short week, Seattle is going to play it cautious with their veteran players and make sure that they are healthy and ready to go once we're ready for kickoff in Santa Clara. So those will be injuries to watch but certainly the Seahawks getting good news with Ken Walker the third and Damian Lewis both practicing in full this early in the week that bodes well barring setbacks that both those players are going to be on the field and they also had Cody Barton and Tariq Woolen two players who got banged up in Monday's win both of them were full participants as well so that's excellent news they're not missing any time sounds like they have quickly rebounded from the hip and neck issues. Uh, Woolen had a stinger, as you and I speculated in the press box, and so the Seahawks got lucky it wasn't worse than that. Both those guys are in good shape, too. So there's more names on the list, but most of them being full participants. That's good news going into Week 2. Seattle should be close to full strength 
while the 49ers, if George Kittle's available, they're going to be close as well. But that's the big wild card for them going into this game. It's matchup Wednesday. We're going to be detailing this week two matchup over the next two quarters. We've got the Seahawks on offense going up against the 49ers on defense coming up next here on our Wednesday edition of Locked on Seahawks. As you gear up for the fall, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. As a former site manager and current podcast host, I've made plenty of hires over the years, and LinkedIn has always been a go-to for me to find top candidates in sports media. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs, number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Matchup Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me for our favorite show of the week, my co-host in crime, Rob Rank. Thanks to all the 12s out there, as always, for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got two bitter rivals set to rekindle their rivalry at Levi Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Seahawks at 49ers. The 49ers are coming off a very difficult 19-10 loss to the Chicago Bears. They were in complete command in this game through three quarters, and then the Bears were able to hit on a few plays in the slop late and overcame that 10-point deficit one by nine. Really tough outing for Trey Lance in his first season as a full-time starter. Started off well, then the weather really made it difficult on the young quarterback. Let's get to matchups here, though. We're actually going to start with the Seahawks on the offensive side of the football, coming off an impressive first half on Monday night, then didn't score any points in the second half. Looking at the matchups, Rob, what's the first one that jumps out to you for the Seahawks offensively heading into this contest? Well, I, I think that right off the bat, I think you got to figure out a way you're going to slow down Nick Bosa. And I think that Samson Ibukam, on the, on the same time, uh, you have to worry about him at the other tackle position as well. Uh, Ibukam and just his speed. Uh, Charles Cross, you know, struggled a little bit, um, you know, and he had, he was going up against quality competition, but still he was in the friendly confines of Lumen field. Um, and now you're going to be in Santa Clara and Nick Bosa. And Hey, with all due respect to the players that Denver has, their pass rusher, Bosa is just a whole different level. Um, and, and so I, I think that that is a formidable matchup that, that Seattle has got to be very concerned about. Um, and then again, Ibukam and his speed and Abraham Lucas as well. Uh, the 49ers have a terrific front. I mean, we could argue that, 
that we could be going inside uh, with Armstead, uh, you know, and, and just the whole group of, of linemen that the 49ers have. This is about as good of a front as you're going to see in the NFL. You know that they're desperate. You know that they're hungry. And as good as Geno Smith played in kind of evading the pressure uh, we could go, can he do it a second time? Again, when he's not having the Geno kind of chance in the background. So to me, this is where this game is going to be won or lost. I, I can see a scenario where Seattle absolutely goes into Santa Clara and wins this football game. I also think if the two rookie tackles struggle a little bit, and we I was remiss in not mentioning that Jake Curran was one of the players that got back onto the, the practice field for the Seahawks. If Seattle's young tackle struggle in this game, this game could get ugly very, very quickly. Yeah, it certainly could because Nick Bosa is one of those pass rushers that can single-handedly destroy a game plan. And Bradley Chubb is a great player when healthy, but he is not on the same level as Nick Bosa. He is in that upper tier, that upper echelon of pass rushers. So Charles Cross had his issues with Bradley Chubb, particularly in the second half, giving up two sacks. Now you can argue one of those, Geno Smith absolutely needs to step up in the pocket, and that wasn't necessarily Cross getting beat badly. The other one, he got whipped pretty good by Bradley Chubb. He is going to lose some battles to Nick Bosa. Bosa beats the best of the best, so it's going to come down to Geno Smith's ability to be aware of what's going on. The play caller, Shane Waldron, is going to have to be very cautious about when he takes those deep shots against this 49ers defense because of how formidable that front line is. You didn't mention Javon Kinlaw as well. I mean, you've got him and Armstead in the interior and Ebukam at the other edge spot. He and Bosa both had a sack apiece against the Chicago Bears last week. So different style pass rushers, but this is going to be a more significant test for Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. I think Ebukam going against Lucas, that is going to be the type of matchup that is going to give him some major issues. He held up fairly well against Chubb and Gregory last week, only had three pressures, no sacks allowed. But again, this is just a different foe that they're going to be playing. The 49ers, the strength of their football team is their defensive line. They've got a number of guys that can rush off the edge. Armstead can slide out there in a pinch, and with his power, could be a real problem for Cross and Lucas. So I absolutely think that is the number one matchup for the Seahawks in offense. Now, if you can protect Geno Smith, the thing that is intriguing about this game, the 49ers have made some upgrades in the secondary. They they signed uh, Charvarius Ward, formerly of the Kansas City Chiefs. Emmanuel Mosley is back, has been a starter for a couple seasons in San Francisco. He had two tackles last week. Ward has been lighting it up. All the 49ers beat writers throughout training camp and preseason have been talking this kid up, how much he has upgraded the 49ers secondary. At the same time, Neither one of these corners, Rob, are going to strike fear in you that they are the next Patrick Sertan. They don't have the same talent level. It feels like the Seahawks should be able to get some plays downfield to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. That was not a big part of their game plan against the Broncos. They were working the tight ends on the linebackers. Guess what? The linebackers for the 49ers are much better than the ones that the Denver Broncos had on the field on Monday night. That same strategy isn't going to work against this team. They're going to have to get some downfield shots against a corner and safety group that I think is solid but not great. 
They've got to have time, though. Geno Smith's got to be able to operate in the pocket and allow time for those receivers to get open. It feels like Metcalf and Lockett should be a much bigger part of the game plan this week. The question is, are they going to be able to get the football to them in terms of having protection for Geno Smith so that he can make those throws? Well, well said, my friend. I mean, that's the thing. I, I love that you mentioned Javon Kinlaw. I think you can mention some of the other, uh, you know, depth pass rushers for the 49ers. I mean, they, they use a second round pick on Drake Jackson from USC, who oh, is smooth, smooth off the edge. Uh, of course, they brought back Kerry Hyder. Seahawks fans know him well. Kimo Kature, uh, you know, was a player I was really high on coming out of, of college a couple of years ago with the Indianapolis Colts. He's in the 49ers. Seattle has to stop that pass rush. And I love what I saw on tape from Traverius Ward to Kansas City. I, having gone to the Kansas City Chiefs uh, you know, facility uh, over the, the offseason, um, I, I know that the Kansas City felt that that was a significant loss for them. And I've heard the same things that, as you, that, uh, that Ward has been absolutely spectacular uh, for the 49ers so far. At 6'1", roughly 200 pounds, he does have the size to match up with DK Metcalf. But at the same time, we saw opportunities for DK Metcalf to go beast mode uh, against Patrick Sertan, who we both feel is one of the best young corners in the league. I think that Ward may be a notch below uh, Sertan, but at the same time, not a significant notch. This is a really good football player that the 49ers have brought in. I love the matchup, though, uh, on the other side with Mosley against Tyler Lockett. I think this is an opportunity here where you, you might see Seattle kind of try to sprinkle in Marquise Goodwin, maybe even D. Eskridge. I think that the 49ers cornerbacks are the, the biggest area of concern for that team. We, we pointed out the linebackers a week ago that that might be something that Seattle was going to try and exploit. Uh, I think that the 49ers cornerbacks are going to be something that they are going to try to attack. So if you've got your fantasy football hopes right on DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, I think this might be a game in which you're going to be able to get a little bit healthier because I think you think that you're going to see Geno Smith take some shots. And if now it's just going to be up to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, especially. And as again, those other receivers as well to be able to make some plays because they're going to get some one-on-one -on -one opportunities. And both of these receivers have had good success in their careers against the 49ers corners, including the last couple seasons here. So there's some precedent. Like Metcalf said today, that doesn't mean anything. Every game is different. doesn't matter that you played well in this stadium previously. But at the same time, there is that confidence. I've gone against these guys. I've had success against these players. Now, Ward has never matched up with Metcalf. And he and Lockett went against each other a few years back, but there's limited relationship there in terms of going against each other in the NFL. So that's a little bit of an unknown going to this game, but it still feels like this corner group is not on par with what the Denver Broncos had. The safety group is not on par. The Seahawks should be able to get some of those plays downfield to their star receivers. If Geno Smith has time, maybe the, the matchup that to me, is maybe the most important in this game that isn't going to get talked about. I mentioned just a moment ago, linebacker is not an area of weakness for the 49ers. It was for the Denver Broncos, but the Denver Broncos don't have a guy by the name of Fred Warner in the middle. One of the best middle linebackers in the sport. He can defend and run. He can cover. He can blitz. He can do it all. Him and a linebacker by committee group for the 49ers going up against Rashad Penny, and Ken Walker III, who we believe is going to make his Seahawks regular season debut on Sunday. Both those guys are explosive ball carriers. They can do a lot of damage once they get to the second level. 
But Fred Warner is a difficult linebacker to get past, and he snuffs out runs. There are some other good linebackers in this group. If Dre Greenlaw is available to play in this game, he's a little banged up, but that's another player that could be a real nice asset for the 49ers in this game. This might be one of those matchups that ends up turning the tide, especially when you're considering a player like Ken Walker III making his debut, has shown in the practices that he's an underrated receiver. That might be a way that you can get Fred Warner a little bit out of his element if you're able to stretch him horizontally, get him out of the middle of the field, and then maybe your tight ends can be opened up doing that. But this is certainly not the same ideal matchup game plan-wise to get Colby Parkinson and Noah Fant and Will Disley the football. You're going to have to be able to run the ball, and the receivers on the outside of the numbers are the ones that are going to have to make plays. No, you absolutely have to run the ball. I mean, again, that that is bread and butter. Uh, Pete Carroll, Shane Waldron, uh, just the Seahawks, you know, what what they believe. And I, I think that Rashad Penny showed every bit of the, the, the game-breaking ability in the opener against the Broncos that he showed over that incredible second-half run a, a season ago. And then you mentioned, of course, that, that Ken Walker is expected to be able to make his debut and just the explosiveness that he offers. And I love that you mentioned that the throwing the ball to the backs out of the back field. I mean, there was so close to being an incredible touchdown throw uh, to Rashad Penny on a wheel route that he and Disley kind of were in the same area there that wound up getting you know, the ball falling down to the, to the field and not being anything uh, of a big play. But still, that's on tape that the Seahawks are going to be using their backs out of the backfield on deep throws as well as the dump-offs. And obviously, running the ball effectively in the short dump-offs to running backs and tight ends can be a really good way to mitigate a terrific pass rush. That Again, we know that the 49ers have that terrific pass rush. I want to see how well those corners and those safeties are going to be able to tackle in the open field. Hufanga, the, big, the, the strong safety that they have, is really good in the open field. He's not a real speedy guy. So I think that that's something, again, you can match up some tight ends and running backs in, in that regard. Deshaun Gibson, good football player, brought over from Chicago. At the same time, if he's worried about DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett going deep, that should create some opportunities as well. So again, I, I know there's a lot of Seahawks fans out there who are really encouraged by what Geno Smith showed. I, I'm encouraged by that as well. At the same time, you've got to run the football. Otherwise, you're basically going to just be uh, you know, picking Geno Smith up off of the ground because the 49ers pass rush is that good. And the running backs for the Seahawks are that good as well. You've got to feature them when you get your opportunities. Yeah, you cannot afford to be one-dimensional against this football team. And it's not that Seattle was one-dimensional the other night. Rashad Penny had 60 yards on 12 carries and had several really nice runs that were called back with questionable holding penalties. So the run game was effective for them. They just didn't get enough carries, and they didn't really wear the Broncos' defense down the way that they wanted to. They're going to have to be more successful doing that in this football game with a better pass rush for the 49ers, a formidable front line, a better one than Denver's got overall, you're not going to be able to drop back 40 times and sling it against this team. The secondary, to me, is the weak spot for the 49ers, but there's some talent back there. So you're not going to be able to just get away with slinging it with Nick Bose and company chasing after. So running the football is going to be imperative. Getting the running backs and tight ends involved in the passing game. I think in this game, maybe the running backs more so to really stretch out those linebackers and try to open up that middle of the field for the tight ends. I think that is going to be a big part of Seattle's game plan heading into Sunday. We're going to switch gears now, continuing our matchup Wednesday 
Seahawks on defense going up against Trey Lance and the 49ers offense. We'll get to those matchups here in a moment. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchups, news, and podcasts, including week two action in the NFL and college ranks. BetOnline is also your continued source for all your sporting and wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball and boxing, is BetOnline. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Matchup Wednesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks to all the 12s out there for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. For your second listen, make sure to check out the Peacock and Williamson NFL show. Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson give you the expert NFL analysis in less than 30 minutes. It's free and available wherever you get podcasts. It's time to continue Matchup Wednesday, our favorite episode of the week. We just looked at the Seahawks on offense. They obviously have to worry about Nick Bosa. The corners for the 49ers could be vulnerable against Seattle's receivers if Geno Smith has time to throw. The run game is also going to be crucial playing on the road in a hostile environment against a very balanced physical defense. Let's look at the Seahawks' offensive matchups that are going to be most critical heading into this first NFC West matchup in Santa Clara. Rob, where are you starting as far as what Seattle needs to do with a most critical matchup for them to win in order to win this football game? Well, I think we talked about it initially that it would really be helpful from Seattle's perspective if George Kittle wasn't on the field. But I think that the most critical matchup really is, again, the line of scrimmage. And I know that there are some out there who are just so hardcore Seahawks fans that all they want us to do is talk about the areas in which the Seahawks might be successful. But, oh, my goodness, if you are a football fan, it doesn't get much better than watching the way that Trent Williams comes off the ball. And I think the Seahawks now have a guy, Chen Nuosu, who is willing to match him punch for punch. Now, there's no doubt that Nuosu at 255, 260 pounds is going to be lighter than Trent Williams, who was listed at 320s, probably heavier than that. But still, these are two brawlers. If you're into boxing, these aren't the featherweights. These are absolutely the heavyweights, and they are bringing those overhand rights and the haymakers. And so I, I think that's going to be a fascinating matchup. I want to see Mike McGlinchey, uh, the, the right tackle for the 49ers against Daryl Taylor. He struggled. Daryl Taylor did struggle a little bit, uh, you know, in, in the run game. And of course, that's one of the things that the 49ers are going to do an awful lot. So I really think that this is kind of an opportunity for Daryl Taylor to come back. He needs to come back. Uh, and, and again, I, I just think that the physical matchup between Trent Williams and Chen Nuosu. It may not result in the splashy plays for Nuosu that we saw against the Denver Broncos, but at the same time, if you love physicality at the point of attack, that's where a lot of people's eyes are going to be, certainly where my eyes are going to be. This is a matchup that, looking from a Seahawks perspective, really concerns me because Trent Williams is as good of a road grader in the run game as any left tackle in the game. He's an outstanding pass protector as well. I mean, we saw the athleticism on display last year, I believe it was the playoff game, where they sent him as a moving tackle pre-motion snap and then sent him out, and he just blew up a linebacker. I mean, how many left tackles can you do that with in the NFL? Maybe two or three? 
He's a freak athlete. And I just, I look at the film and just the way that he moves guys off the line of scrimmage. It is going to be a major test for Nuosu. He does have more physicality than most guys his size, but he's still giving up 50, 60 pounds working against Trent Williams, who uses every bit of that body to bully his opponent. And on the opposite side, you mentioned it. Looking at the All-22, I thought Daryl Taylor struggled against the run, but it became much more apparent seeing the end zone film. He was really having issues setting the edge. There were a number of plays where he got knocked off the line of scrimmage by Cam Fleming, who's the third string right tackle for the Denver Broncos. That was not encouraging. And this is a player that we have talked up a lot, and I think rightfully so. He has been an explosive pass rusher. I've seen improvements from him defending the run, but he's still way too inconsistent. And Pete Carroll pointed out in his press conference on Wednesday, looking back at Monday's game, they were too inconsistent setting the edge. That felt like it was kind of a little bit of a nudge to Daryl Taylor because that was the side of the line of scrimmage that the Denver Broncos were consistently having success running the football, either bouncing it outside or cutting it inside where Daryl Taylor was at, and he's getting bulldozed. He has to hold up much better at the point of attack. When Boye Mafe's in there, he's going to have to prove that he can get the job done. He had a really quiet debut. All three of those players are going to have tough matchups because both these tackles can win big in the run game. And you know San Francisco, even without Elijah Mitchell available, it doesn't matter. They can pull a grocery bagger off the street. And Kyle Shanahan, it's in his DNA. He just knows how to orchestrate a run game. And regardless of who's back there, they are going to run the ball a lot. And they're going to run it effectively. They are going to stress your defense out. They're going to stress your run fits. That's going to hold up on the edge as well. When they get their pre-snap motion involved, they add extra gaps. Those guys off the edge have major responsibilities that they have to check off. Otherwise, this 49ers run game is going to run wild, especially with the line talent they have at the tackle positions. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, they can beat you physically. They can beat you athletically. Um, they can they can beat you with scheme, um, you know, and, and technique. I mean, the 49ers really do a great job. I mean, you got to tip your cap to Kyle Shanahan because, as you said, I mean, it doesn't matter who the 49ers use at running back. They, they drafted a kid out of the third round uh, out of LSU, Tyrion uh, Davis-Price, that I think also could make his, uh, you know, wind up being a, a significant factor in this game. Of course, Jeff Wilson, the veteran, um, is expected to kind of take over and be the 49ers lead back this game. But really, it, it doesn't matter so much who is at the running back position just because of how well San Francisco blocks at the point of attack. Uh, you know, and, and again, going back to Daryl Taylor, I, I think you made some really good points there. Um, you know, he concerns me a little bit because there are times where it feels like he freelances a little bit. I think that he gets so aggressive and trying to go after the, the pass rush that he does slide inside and open up the, the outside struggles to contain a little bit. And he's got a kind of a weird build for an outside linebacker, defensive end kind of a guy. He's got really narrow hips, big in his upper body, narrow hips. He just doesn't physically have the girth, the sand in his pants, as some people like to say, to be able to hope the point of attack. His game is quickness. His game is lateral agility. And so he is going to have to be that penetrator, make plays in the backfield before the 49ers are able to push him up off the line. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see how Seattle tries to adjust because you knew against Denver that they were going to run the football, but they also were obviously going to be throwing the football a lot. 
with, with, with Trey Lance, the 49ers, I mean, Trey Lance ran nearly as many times as he completed footballs. Now, obviously, that was in the monsoon that they were playing against in Chicago. But still, I think that that is still going to be the case. So Seattle needs to clean up their run defense. Otherwise, they could just get run all the way out of Santa Clara. I'm glad you mentioned Trey Lance because he is going to be a critical part of that run game. And that creates a unique matchup. There's a few quarterbacks in the league that was that would fit this bill. But having a linebacker and a safety matched up against Trey Lance, there's a reason for that. Because Lance does have the arm talent to be a major problem throwing downfield. There's a reason the 49ers traded up to get him at number three overall. He can rocket the ball downfield. He had a 70-yard touchdown to Debo Samuel against the Seahawks in Santa Clara a year ago when he spelled and injured Jimmy Garoppolo. And so he is more than capable of doing damage with his arm, but he's also an electric ball carrier. And I think that's going to make it that Jordan Brooks is going to, at times, have some spy responsibilities. So this is really a matchup that boils down to the two quarterbacks on Seattle's defense, your safety and digs that's led the team in interceptions the last two years. He's got to be able to do his job back there. If Lance tries to test them vertically, can Quandre Diggs make him pay? And of course, in the middle, Jordan Brooks, not only does he have to worry about his coverage responsibilities in the middle, but he's got to worry about Trey Lance taking off and running the football on design runs, scrambling off schedule. And he's going to have a major responsibility chasing him all over the field. He's going to be tired after this game with how much Trey Lance runs the football and the way the 49ers do it from a designed perspective. So to me, this is a very important matchup. Even if Trey Lance has major question marks as a passer, the talent is there and he can also be a real threat running the football to go with the running backs that they have. Well, and speaking of running the football and being a threat, I mean, we have not mentioned the name Debo yet. And Debo Samuel is a guy that, uh, you know, just can throw, you can throw everything else out the, out the window. I mean, if you don't have the, the schematic, if you're not in place and physical, uh, you know, at, at the point of attack to be able to bring this guy down with multiple tacklers, then you're going to really struggle here because this guy is just a, a difference maker. So I, I think that, you know, we would be remiss in not mentioning him because he could line up in the backfield. I mean, he was San Francisco's leading rusher th this last week. Uh, you know, obviously he's a dynamic receiver. He is just truly a very unique player. And that, that is a word that gets thrown around a lot. But Debo Samuel is truly unique. So just like what you said, and I think you make an excellent point that it's going to be both Quandre Diggs and Jordan Brooks uh, that are going to have an awful lot of responsibility trying to kind of corral uh, Trey Lance. Same kind of thing. It's going to be on the corners to be able to play against Debo Samuel. It's going to be on those linebackers as well. Uh, Debo Samuel is just a, a fantastic football player. But I'll tell you one thing, Corbin, that, that does give me a little bit of encouragement um, about why I think that Seattle might be able to slow down Trey Lance as well as Debo Samuel. Um, you know, you, you put up a graphic a moment ago that showed Trey Lance, and, and he does have this kind of awkward throwing motion he doesn't extend the ball up over his head the way that he a lot of quarterbacks do that could lead to all kinds of passes tipped at the line of scrimmage we saw seattle be so lucky according to some of the national pundits out there with the way they were able to punch the ball free and create those turnovers at the most opportune times and obviously be critical in their victory over the broncos i would not be surprised at all while i really like trey lance's accuracy 
Again, because he throws the ball as low as he does, because he runs the ball as much as he does, wouldn't be surprised at all if Seattle is able to create some kind of cheap turnovers yet again. And if you can get a young quarterback a little bit frazzled, then who knows what can happen. Yeah, that's going to be the key. Can you get off to a fast start? Can you get into the young quarterback's head? And you know that Kyle Shanahan coming off of last week's game, he is going to be focusing the run game early to try to take some of that pressure off of his quarterback. Because you know that those voices are going to keep getting louder. Jimmy Garoppolo is still on this roster. If Trey Lance struggles and the 49ers come out of the gate 0-2, there's going to be a lot of noise from people saying, Jimmy Garoppolo led us to two NFC Championship games. Get him into the lineup. Kyle Shanahan is going to be trying to ease his young quarterback into this situation. And coming off a rough outing in Chicago – there's a chance that there could be some rain in San Francisco this weekend. So maybe there's going to be inclement weather again that he's got to deal with. They're going to be leaning on the ground game, which that really does lead back to that Debo Samuel matchup. And really, this is a unique matchup Wednesday because how many times are we talking about wide receivers that might start at running back? Maybe Corderell Patterson's the other one in the league that maybe does that, but he doesn't really get featured as a receiver anymore. It was never the star that Debo Samuel is. Debo Samuel had 52 rushing yards last week, only 14 receiving yards because the 49ers weren't throwing the ball very much, and they were kind of put in a spot where they had to play Samuel out of the backfield a lot. That may very well happen again on Sunday. That would be a huge thing for the corners for the Seahawks because if he's playing in the backfield, you don't have to worry about him across from you. you still got Brandon Ayuk, who can be a home run threat. Juwan uh, Jennings is also there, a bigger-bodied receiver, but – there's a big drop-off from there for the 49ers in the receiver position. If Debo Samuel, their number one target, number one yards producer, number one touchdown producer last year, is just playing running back most of the time, yeah, that's going to give you a handful in the run game, but it's also going to benefit you not having to worry about him on the outside. So again, we'll see what San Francisco does there. He very well could be out on the outside most of this game, and then the onus falls on Tariq Woolen, Mike Jackson, maybe Sidney Jones if he starts this week. Whoever the corners are, you got to deal with a very unique receiver in Debo Samuel who is just built different. He's a blue-collar receiver that breaks tackles, creates after the catch, as well as any receiver in the league. A lot different than what they faced the Denver Broncos last week. And he's the type of player that can really change games with his versatility and his explosiveness. He really can. And I think from a Seattle perspective, I think that they would probably rather have him play running back than receiver because, again, one of the biggest concerns I have about Tariq Woolen, and give him credit, I mean, ever since that missed tackle in the preseason opener, He's been, you know, pretty much money when it comes to tackling. I mean, in terms of his physicality, uh, but against Debo Samuel one-on-one, uh, I think that Debo Samuel is the most physical wide receiver in the NFL. And, and so that is a huge jump in competition. If you were going to line up Tariq Woolen against Debo Samuel, if he catches the ball, um, of course, Tariq Woolen didn't allow a single reception against Russell Wilson in week one. So, But if Debo Samuel does catch the ball, then I think his ability to break tackles is a concern. And we saw the, the Broncos take advantage of the fact that Jamal Adams went down, and right off the bat, they went against Kobe Bryant, and Josh Jones was a little bit late in getting over to make the tackle against Jerry Judy. That's exactly what the 49ers are going to hope to take full advantage of. So again, I think this is going to be a really fun matchup, Corbett. I think this is going to be old-school season. 
Seahawks, the 49ers. Wouldn't be surprised if the Seahawks try to bring down some of those Seahawks legends to be on the field again, uh, just because of the fact that this does feel like that kind of a grudge match. And you mentioned how much the Kyle Shanahan and Trey Lance have to be worried about starting off 0-2. That's a fun little number there because, of course, the Seahawks and 49ers, the 49ers, which were a hair away from playing for the Super Bowl, but they also were 0-2 against the Seahawks a year ago. And, of course, the Seahawks know that very, very well. Yeah, maybe getting a little bit in the 49ers' heads. We'll see where things go. Metcalf pointed it out. Every game is a new game. The 49ers are going to want redemption after getting swept last year by the Seahawks. Two of Seattle's seven wins last year coming at the hands of the 49ers. They're going to want to enact some revenge, especially coming off a rough loss in Chicago. Again, they weren't expected to lose. They want to get back in the win column because starting 0-2, since they expanded the playoffs to seven teams, no team has started 0-2 and made the postseason. So there's a lot on the line for the 49ers. And for the Seahawks, it's a great chance to move to 2-0 and and, and make an early statement in this division. Hey, we're not going away even without Russell Wilson. So really excited about this matchup. We're going to get to keys to the game coming up. On our Friday episode, we have Crossover Thursday coming with Brian Peacock and Eric Crocker of Locked On 49ers tomorrow. Awesome shows coming up as we continue to preview this upcoming NFC West opener. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week video form on YouTube. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. Thanks for listening. Go Hawks.